Lord, we thank you today. You are so faithful to us. It is easy for us, God, to forget about your faithfulness. It is easy for us to look at the waves around us and look at the problems that we have and the problems in the world that we see. And it's easy to look at those circumstances and say, where is God? But Lord, as we reflect, as we take some time to meditate upon you, we can see your hand of faithfulness in our lives. Lord, if we watch over time, we can see how you've protected us. We can see how you've provided for us. We can see how you've put circumstances together that are way beyond the realm of coincidence. And Lord, we have seen over time the generosity, the grace, and the faithfulness of God. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to build that kind of awareness of you. And ultimately, Lord, that the forgiveness of sins would be, God, the thing that we would be so thankful for. You are always faithful. You tell us in, in your word that if we would confess our sins, that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, it's a promise that we can bank on. No matter what we have done, God, no matter how much shame or guilt we may carry, we can bring it to you and experience your forgiveness and forgiveness uh, that is faithful. So we praise you today, and God, we just, we just lift up our assembly before you. There are all kinds of needs in different families. Uh, God, we pray for Hong as he continues to recover. We pray for Jackie as she, she marches on and, and, and deals with what she has to deal with, God. And we, we know that you know. We pray that you would touch and that you would heal. We pray for those who are, who are ill today, those who, are, who have family members. We know some who are fighting uh, the COVID, and we pray, Lord, they would turn a corner. We pray you would raise people up and you would heal people, God. We still believe that you heal today. And so we pray that you would release your power into people's bodies, oh God. Even as they're watching the screen or the phone today, we pray you would release your power into people's bodies, your real power. And the, 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 the unction of the Spirit would be sensed in people's homes even at this moment, Lord. Help us today, God, to just take a few moments to focus on you for you are so faithful to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, band, for leading us today. Simon, Viano, Sean, and Iggy. You all don't see Benga and Janet and Sarah who are running tech today, but thank you guys so much for all of your ministry. Uh, ministry is not just what you're seeing on the camera right? That's the easy part. Uh, ministry is all of what goes into trying to produce this. It is harder to do uh, when your audience is online than when your audience is right in front of you. So uh, I really want to take a moment to thank everybody for all of the help that they are doing. 
uh, over this pandemic and over the weeks, and we are broadcasting from Institut Biblique du Québec here in Longueuil. We're so thankful for our Bible College providing this space for us. You can visit them online if you like at ibq.ca. And a pleasure to be with you once again. Wow, this is the first Sunday of the month of December. Woo! Now, right off the bat, I will tell you, uh, we are streaming live to Facebook and YouTube. Now, the way we're getting into YouTube is different this week because YouTube has made some changes to the way that they run certain kinds of tech. So, YouTubers, if you're experiencing strange things, just sit with us. Or you can jump onto our website uh, at citypointchurch.ca, hit the Connect uh, tab and go to Sermons. We've got a live uh, widget there that takes you to Facebook. You don't need an account for that. But you may experience some turbulence today. We'll see how it all turns out. And uh, remember, if we do lose the feed, uh, we always put a clean copy on when that happens and post it, okay? If you're a first-time guest, please text the key phrase, reach the one. You'll see it on your screen there to the phone number 514-900-0130. And I'm going to send you a little gift via your email. And you'll get onto our communication list, our mass text list and email list. That's the way we do all the announcements. Super easy. Go straight to your phone or your email, all right? Uh, visit us online at citypointchurch.ca. We've got uh, audio there. You can jump onto Podbean or Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you get audio straight to your phone. Uh, or videos are there of all of our uh, messages too, okay? I'll mention our missionaries as we do every week. The Charbonneaux in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, always needing and coveting and being thankful for our prayers for them as they minister in the city of Port-au-Prince today. And Don and Marie-José Man busily preparing their Quest Leadership Program to take it to various countries around the world um, if you visit the man's online through the website paoc.org and just do a search for M-A-N-N, you can subscribe to, uh, to their communication, get their emails, and they send updates regularly, all right? I want to uh, uh, give thanks for a couple of things here. You'll see a picture on your screen. Uh, this is my, myself, my wife, and the principal of... Good Shepherd Elementary School in Brossard, Valerie Ford. And we're so thankful to have uh, once again raised the money. And we put together 20 beautiful gift boxes. I'll send out an email this week with pictures of what was in there. Uh, but we've prepared 20 of them. And so there's 20 families at Good Shepherd who are going to be the recipients of these gift boxes. And they've got all kinds of Christmas goodies in there. A little message from me as well. Uh, we've already got a, a thank you that came in via email. And it's such a blessing to give at Christmas time. Even when your times are lean and times are tough, when you give and you reach back a little bit, it's amazing the blessing of God that comes into your soul when you give. And so we did that and she was so thankful. You can visit our Facebook page and see a little write-up that was put on the Riverside School Board uh, Facebook, and they shared it to us, all right? So thank you so much for your generosity, those of you who gave to that. And as I said to you via email this week, but I'll say it today, 
Uh, hopefully you can see that on your screen, but thank you so much for giving on Giving Tuesday to the ongoing crisis, not reported on very often in the news in the nation of Yemen. It's got the highest mortality rate of COVID in the world, I think, still something like 20% it is. Very, very high. Uh, but there's all kinds of conflict there, and the nation is bordering on starvation. And you raised 1166 We raised that, and that's matched by the Canadian Food Bank, uh, Grains Bank by five times, added to us, so that makes $6,996, which feeds 318 people in the nation of Yemen for one month. So thank you so much for your generosity in giving, all right? And uh, also another announcement for you, we will be meeting one more time at Cineplex this year of 2020 on the 20th of December. We met there yesterday for a special event called Voices of Christmas, which people really enjoyed. And we're going to have our Sunday morning there, 9.30 and 10.30 over at Cineplex, okay, on the 20th of December. You will need to register for that. I'll send out an email to you and update our website. You can use either to pre-register for that. We need to handle 25 people in each service. And on that day, we're going to conclude our Advent series called Rediscover Christmas. Okay, uh, again, thank you so much for your generosity. You keep us moving, even in this this these months, this long stretch with this pandemic continuing. You keep us running, and thank you. We need it so much. Uh, you use our website for that. Any kind of designation, just put a note there. If you look carefully, there should be a field where you can leave comments or a designation where you want it to go, either to our Hope Fund or our ministry fund, okay? Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, today we are continuing our Advent series called Rediscover Christmas. Again, we'll wind it up on the 20th of December. And I'll tell you now, on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, I'm going to do a special uh, presentation on Christmas Eve that we will stream uh, on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, we're going to do communion on Christmas Eve. I have never been to a Christmas Eve service where communion was done, but we are going to do that uh, within our homes. It's going to be a very significant Christmas Eve, I believe. So just telling you about that. Uh, so we're, we're doing this thing called Rediscover Christmas. And, uh, you know, speaking about joy today, uh, any Advent series, and Advent means coming or presence. And when we celebrate Advent, we put ourselves in the shoes of the people who were awaiting the Messiah to come, and we also think about the future coming of the Lord Jesus at the second coming. So it really changes your frame of mind, especially if you believe these things are true. And so in any Advent series, usually the main themes of hope, peace, joy, and love are covered, and so we're on joy today. And I want to ask a question, uh, has joy been canceled in the year 2020? What a year it has been. I put this list on the screen of the various things that have happened in this rather bizarre year of 2020. And of course, this week, we had the news from the province 
Uh, and Premier Legault is probably going to go down as the Grinch who stole Christmas or Ebenezer Scrooge or some notorious Christmas character because he has canceled the days of the 24th, 25th, 26th, and 27th. We were told that we could meet with family and gather up to 10 people and even do it twice if we quarantine seven days before and seven days after. And of course, that has been now taken away. And it seems like Christmas has been canceled. Humbug, you know, it's, it's the Grinch. What is it? And has joy been canceled because Christmas has been canceled? I wonder, and we're going to answer that a little bit today, um, but I'd like to involve you. Uh, if you want to answer that question, you can, but I'd like to involve you in a specific question as we talk about the Christmas story from the Bible. I'd like you to name two moms in the original Christmas story. And if I could have my phone over here so that I can see the answers that are coming in, uh, I'd like you to name two of the moms in the original Christmas story. This should be pretty easy for you if you have been tracking with us. Thank you. Uh, but I'd like you to try and use the, the comments section there if you're watching on Facebook. Uh, name for us two moms in the original Christmas story. Now, when we talk about that from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. You'll find that in the Bible's New Testament. If you've got a paper one, you should have a table of contents there. If it has no table of contents, well, go, to the, go towards the end of that Bible and if it's a New Testament only, it'd be more at the beginning. But if it's a full Bible, it'll be more at the end. You find Matthew, you find Mark, you find Luke, you find John, and you have the Gospels. So Matthew chapter 1, chapter 2, Luke chapter 1, chapter 2. That's the original story of Jesus at what we call Christmas today. So I'll even let you skip Matthew chapter 1, which is a rather detailed genealogy. You just do Matthew 2, Luke 1, Luke 2, and you've got the gist of Christmas. Name two moms in the original Christmas story while you're looking that up or thinking about it. I want to ask you another question. And again, you can use the comments section for this. What gives you joy? What brings you joy? It's not a trick question. There's no wrong answers. But what brings you joy? It could be any number of things. It could be a nice cup of hot chocolate on a cold day brings you joy. Um, my wife baked something this, this week, and in our house, there was joy after she baked that little treat, and we yummed it up. And uh, so what gives you joy? It could be a person. It could be uh, something that's not a person. It could be an experience. It could be an event. But what gives you joy? Uh, let us know. Use the comments section, okay? Uh, if you're thinking about this and if you're putting answers down or things are running around in your head, you're probably realizing 
that joy seems to be related to circumstance, seems to be related to what is going on in your life. So if there's a particular condition, if there's a particular set of circumstances that are happening, it brings you joy. If your favorite team has won, it gives you joy, okay? Uh, screen time, someone put, gives them joy, all right? I mean, but that tends to be more circumstantial. It's a circumstance. And when the circumstance is there, or maybe it's a person, when the person is there, you experience joy. And by the way, joy and happiness are extremely similar. I know sometimes we try, especially in Christian circles, to distinguish between happiness and joy. And we say, well, happiness is kind of a surface layer thing, and joy is a much deeper thing. The truth be told, if you examine the pages of the Bible, these terms are used interchangeably in the languages of the Bible. So they're very, very similar words. What brings you, if you want to use the word happiness, what brings that to you? Again, maybe a circumstance, maybe a relationship, maybe screen time. But those are circumstantial. And the problem with that, it's not bad. It's, it's okay to have joy based on circumstance. It's not wrong. But the problem with that is when the circumstance changes, the joy may be gone. Or it may even be stolen away from you. There's an old expression, don't let such and such or don't let so and so steal your joy. If your joy is based on some kind of circumstance, some kind of person, some kind of event, some kind of experience, well, if those things aren't there, you might well lose your joy. The question that may be deeper for us that we can try to find an answer from in the Christmas story uh, and in other places is how do you keep joy 365 days a year when the circumstance is good and when the circumstance is bad, when the circumstance is so-so, when the province has canceled Christmas, you know, I, I, uh, we had bought some gifts uh, for, for some relatives who we were going to spend time with at Christmas time, and we, you know, we have this tradition, we go to the home and we open gifts together, and because it's been canceled, warm bath before bed, okay, that brings you joy for sure, and comfort as well. Um, but what happens when the water is cold, when you turn on that faucet? Here's another one. Lately, my joy has been overflowing because... Let me just pull this up. Lately, my joy has been overflowing because I have found out that two of my neighbors and some friends are believers too. And I've been talking to several other people about God, and that brings this person joy. That's great. Uh, but what happens when you turn on the faucet and the water's cold, right? Uh, so how do you keep joy 365 days a year? So we had these gifts and uh, we decided, well, might as well take the gifts back to the store because, you know, it's just not going to work. The tradition's not the same. So I went to the store, brought back all these little gifts, and the lady kind of looked at me sideways. And she said, why are you returning these gifts? 
And I said, well, because Christmas has been canceled. And we were speaking in French, but she got well, what I was saying, and she laughed, and I laughed. Um, and at the end of the little, little transaction, I said, but you can't really cancel Christmas, can you? And I said, well, Merry Christmas. And she smiled and said the same to me. How do you keep joy 365 days a year, no matter what the province does, no matter what's in your bank book, no matter what circumstance is happening to you, no matter whether the water is warm in the tub or cold, no matter whether or not you have screen time, uh, no matter what, how do you keep joy from being dissipated or even stolen from your life? And I think that we can glean some truth from the two moms of Christmas. I don't see any answers coming in there uh, to that question at least. So maybe you all say are saying, well, you know, you answer it for us, Pastor. Uh, but there are two. The most famous starts with an M. I can hear you from the other side of your screen. Mary, yes. Good. Okay, I see them coming in here. So there's Mary. We all know her quite well. But there is also Elizabeth, who we don't know so well, but she's right there in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, or just Luke chapter 1, I think, and uh, we're going to focus on a meeting that these two Christmas moms had, which is in Luke chapter 1. The meet, I call it the meeting of the two Christmas moms, all right? And so uh, I'm going to do some flipping around in my paper Bible here. So if you see me flipping, you can flip along with me and try and track with me. I know that there will be some people and you're new to the Bible and you're trying to find your way around. So I'm going to go nice and slow so you don't feel outpaced or anything. I really want you to get accustomed to looking up different passages in the Bible and getting familiar and confident in finding things, all right? It gives you more of a sense that you can actually get something from the Bible if you can find things in the Bible, 66 books to look through, okay? So in this story, uh, picking it up at Luke chapter 1, someone answered Rachel, um, Rachel is not mentioned in the Christmas story in Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Luke 1, Luke 2. Good guess. Uh, but Rachel is not there. Now, if I suppose if I look into the genealogy, maybe she might be mentioned there. I'm not sure. You've got a genealogy in Matthew. You've got a genealogy in Luke. I can't recall. She could be there. So maybe you could technically get that one, but she isn't in Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Luke 1, Luke 2. But we've got a meeting that takes place between these two moms. Now, if you, if you look at the story, Luke chapter 1, uh, before the manger, before Jesus is born on the, the night that's described in the Gospel of Luke, we see in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, very quickly, in the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. I'll stop for a moment. 
This Herod mentioned here is also known as Herod the Great. And he, we know quite a bit about Herod the Great from the ancient uh, historical accounts. Uh, he was an Idumean client king of Judea and what we would call Palestine today. A client king was uh, a king that was stationed there by Rome and uh, Judea and what we would call Palestine today was a vassal state to the Roman world. So it was all under the control of Rome, but they would assign these different rulers and these different kings depending on the context. And so they appointed Herod, king of Judea. He was an Idumean, so he comes from the line of Edom. He was not uh, of pure Jewish descent. He was strongly disliked uh, by the Jewish uh, people. And he was quite a paranoid uh, leader. We know that he had several relatives and uh, very close ones, in fact, executed or murdered in various ways whenever he felt threatened. Uh, but he was a magnificent uh, builder. And some of the things that Herod has built are still there uh, in the, the in Palestine today, you can still see them, uh, and he enlarged the uh, the temple and so on. So that's Herod, king of Judea, and we have Zechariah and Elizabeth both coming from a priestly line, and uh, both of them, verse six, were upright in the sight of God, not like Herod. Uh, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Godly folks, godly people. We would think everything should go well for them. Look at them in contrast to Herod the Great. These people are, are obedient to God. Everything should be going well for them, right? Well, not so right. Verse 7, but they had no children. This would be a very shameful thing at that time in that culture, and even worse because the reason was Elizabeth was barren. She could not have children, and they were both well along in years. So this is a senior couple. They have been faithful to God all their lives. This man is a priest in this priestly division. She comes from the descendancy of Aaron, and yet they have no children. What a blot on their lives. Imagine, one would think that for a priest and his wife, they'd have no trouble, and the blessing of God would be upon them, but this was not the case. Maybe you're a bit like that. Maybe you say, oh, I'm obedient to God. I'm faithful. I pray every day. I read the Bible every day. I'm part of the church. I go to church if it's online. I go to church if it's in person. And yet, there's this thing in my life, and I don't know why it's there. Because God's supposed to bless me. Well, in this case, you would probably relate to this couple. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, so randomly, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple 
of the Lord and burn incense. They would get this chance sometimes once in their lives, these priests, in this particular setting, to go in there and burn this incense. And he has his shot. And when the time came for the burning of the incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And then something crazy happens. The, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, if you have trouble with angels, listen to my message last week, okay? An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. What's this got to do with the two moms? You'll see in a minute. Just hang tight. Um, he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. What prayer? We're not sure. What was he praying for? Maybe because he had his shot. Once in a lifetime, maybe they would get this chance to go and burn incense in that particular way, in that particular context. Maybe his prayer was for a son. Who knows? Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, who's been barren, who has no children, who has lived with this shame. Her husband is a priest. She's from the line of Aaron. No children. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Oh, my goodness. They've waited a long time for that. And you are to give him the name John. You say, John who? John the Baptist. That's who this will be. He will be a joy. Note that word. And delight to you. And many will rejoice. Note that word. Because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink. This was a type of vow uh, that was existing in that day. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. I mean, if you're Zechariah, you're, you, are, you, you are blown away by what's happening right here to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to prepare to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, you would think that Zechariah would jump up and down, be excited, be happy, be overjoyed, be saying, my prayer has been answered. But look at his response. This man is a priest. How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. So human, so real. He's not a man that's filled with faith. He wants to know, how can I be sure of this? This is why I tell you, the people in the Bible and the people who wrote the Bible, they're very sober-minded. They're not trying to make something up or make something into the miraculous or the supernatural uh, because they're foolish people. This was a very smart person, and he wants to know, how can I be sure of this? And the angel answered, watch this answer, I am Gabriel. If you're a Jew and you hear that back then, Gabriel, he's mentioned in the book of Daniel. 
And Gabriel in the book of Daniel gives a rather wide prediction of a scope of history and the coming of the Messiah. You'll find that in Daniel chapter 7 if you're interested. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent, priest. When you shut the mouth of a priest, that's a discipline. You will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Ouch. So human, though. So real. You say, what this, what's this got to do with joy and the two moms? Just hold on. So he comes out of the temple. He can't talk. He's making signs to people. They don't know what happened. He was in there for a long time, it says. He can't speak. The time of the, uh, his time of service was completed. He returns home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. And for five months, so into the second trimester, for five months remained in seclusion. Why? We don't know. Why didn't she run around and tell everybody? She stays secluded, isolates herself, keeps to herself. Is she afraid she's going to lose the baby? Is she afraid that after all these years and now she seems to be pregnant, it's just so bizarre? It's, there's this God thing going on. Am I going to lose the blessing of God? Maybe she's thinking that way. We're not sure, but she remains in seclusion, unexpected. Wouldn't we expect her to run around and tell everybody, no, she stays in seclusion. And she says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. It was a shameful thing for her. Maybe she just wanted to protect what God was doing and she didn't want to lose it. Who knows? Now we get to the meeting. So in the sixth month, this would be the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth's going to be the mother of John the Baptist. God sent the angel Gabriel, another mention of an angel, same angel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. This would be north of Judea to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. You know the story, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, for the Lord is with you. Now watch the reaction of Mary. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that, that might be, this might be. Troubled. I mean, these people are so human. This is a young, young woman, Mary, and not an old woman like Elizabeth, but a young woman. And the angel says to her, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. This is even better than what was promised to Zechariah. Uh, about his son, and here you've got Mary. This is even better. This is this is off the wall, born of a virgin. Now, just so you know, 
You don't see anything like this anywhere else in the Bible. There's only one virgin birth, this one. And it is a troublesome story because many people think that the virgin birth story has been hijacked uh, from some Greek or Roman mythologies which do have virgin births in them. And uh, it's of great uh, trouble to Jewish people. And they have real issues with this, uh, saying that, you know, if, if Jesus is the Messiah, he can't be born of a virgin because he has to have mes a messianic bloodline. And they try and use that rationale. And they try and play around with various verses in the Bible to, to make it seem like it's something different. But this is a miraculous entry into the world. It is a virgin birth because the Messiah will not be tainted by sin. But it is also a birth through a human line. So it's both. It's human and deity at the same time when we talk about the virgin birth. How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answers and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. It's going to be a miraculous thing. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative. These two are related. We're not sure how, but they're related. So you've got the senior woman, Elizabeth, pregnant in her sixth month now with John the Baptist or the we're told that's who the child will be. And this young, young woman, a girl, really, who is told she's going to be pregnant with the Son of God. Oh, my. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, she says, May it be to me, as you have said, and the angel left her. Her reaction is somewhat different from Zechariah. It seems to be a little less doubtful, although fearful, although she doesn't comprehend it all, and she receives the word from the angel. Now these two are going to meet, the young Mary and the old Elizabeth, both pregnant in really strange ways. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. So again, Judea, uh, south of, of Galilee, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. It's me, your distant relative. And here's Elizabeth, Elizabeth, this senior lady with John the Baptist in her womb. She's six months pregnant, so she's definitely showing. The baby is definitely moving, especially as you consider what's about to happen here and you read it, where she entered Zechariah's home, greeted Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. This baby, six months, is kicking like crazy in Elizabeth's womb when Mary, who's, who's not even pregnant yet, or at least we're not sure yet, unless something happened in the journey, uh, but we don't, we don't know this for sure, she comes in, and there's this action that takes place. 
The baby John the Baptist, who's not even born yet, is kicking like crazy. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Woo, that's quite a, quite a statement. And blessed is the child you will bear. Mary didn't even say anything yet. How's Elizabeth know this? Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? How does she know that? How does she know that the baby in Mary's womb, or if, if that baby's there, we're not sure yet, technically, how does she know all this? And she identifies that the baby that Mary will give birth to is God. The mother of my Lord should come to me. And she explains, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, for joy. She believes, Elizabeth, that her baby John, who's not even born yet, experienced tremendous joy when Mary enters her house and, and that John is kicking like crazy, jumping up and down because the mother of God is in the place. Isn't this, I mean, this is quite a story. Now, this, this has all kinds of implications in this whole thing of, of uh, life and preborn life in the womb and all of that. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And then Mary says, she probably sang this, but it says she said, and there's this long, beautiful poem here, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices, note that word, in God my Savior. And this is airlifted out of 1 Samuel chapter 2. And Mary echoes this same song that is sung. You can go find it in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, probably right until John the Baptist is about to be born, and then returned home. The meeting of the two moms what can we learn about joy? Well, you see it there, this emotion of joy from John the Baptist, who's not even born yet. This is the way that Elizabeth interprets it. There's this joy. You can't contain it because of what? Circumstance? Well, I suppose technically, yes, but a circumstance that is about to change the world God is about to make his grand entry into the world. He is going to be born as a baby through this young woman who's not even technically fully married yet. She's betrothed. That's, that had a legal component for sure. But she had not begun living with her husband yet. Their marriage was not yet consummated. And she's going to give birth to God in the flesh. I mean, this is going to be a world-changing thing 
It's a circumstance, yes, but it has eternal ramifications that are not going to be alterable. They, these are eternal things. So three observations quickly about joy here from this story and a couple of other places in the Bible because this the theme of joy is spilled throughout the Scripture. It is all over the place, this theme of rejoicing, of joy, of happiness. This is all over the place in the Bible. It is one of the dominant themes of the Bible. Even though the Bible has circumstances that are dark and violent and sinful and sometimes downright incomprehensible, there is this theme of joy that spills through the Scripture. Three observations. Number one, if you want to have joy 365 days a year, that doesn't depend on your temporary circumstances, that cannot be stolen away from you, that cannot dissipate, that cannot go away, if you want to have this 365 days a year, three things that you can do. Number one, experience the joy that only Jesus can bring. Only Jesus can bring a joy that is trans that can transcend your very temporary circumstance. Only He can do that. Nobody else can, because if he truly is God and your life is focused on him, the joy that will result is a joy that cannot be stolen. It is a joy that cannot be muted. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be silenced unless you choose to let it go away. But that's, that's got nothing to do with God. The joy of Jesus can remain a permanent thing in your life. Verse 46, she experienced joy, Mary, and she doesn't even know if she's technically, she doesn't even know if she's actually now, am I pregnant now? Am I not pregnant now? She doesn't even know for sure at this point. We're not told. But she has this incredible joy going back to the Old Testament and echoing this phrase from 1 Samuel chapter 2, this, this beautiful little sonnet that she sings. And this idea that the joy of Jesus is Permanent, not temporary, is something we see throughout the Bible. I'm going to flip over to First uh, Peter. This is one of Peter's letters that he wrote. Uh, we did a whole a whole message series called Podcast from Peter uh, that talks about First Peter and Second Peter. Look at First Peter chapter one and verses three to eight. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. We talked about great is your faithfulness. We, we sung that before. He has given us new birth, being born again, Jesus said, of the Spirit of God, a miraculous transformation from the inside out, being born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that can never perish, that can never spoil, that can never fade, 
kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, watch the word. In this you greatly rejoice. In what? In the fact that you have become a child of God, in the fact that you have become born again, that you have experienced the new birth. And there's a very, it's very simple. We talked about this last week. Repent, believe, become. This is the little recipe for being born again. You've got to turn your life in the other direction. You say, I'm walking in the direction of sin. I turn, I change my mind toward my sin. I become sick of my sin and I walk the other direction. Toward what do you walk to? Toward faith. You believe that Jesus Christ is God and that he came to die as an atonement for your sins and that he wants to come into your life through his spirit and transform you from the inside out. Repent, believe, and you will become a child of God. This is a lifelong process that starts in a moment and continues through eternity. In this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you have had to suffer in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Watch verse 8. Though you have not seen him, writing to the first century people, Jesus was gone at this point. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, we still do not see him now. You believe in him and what? Are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's way beyond your present circumstances, your temporary circumstances. We're talking about eternal things here for why you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's why you can have joy. And that is a joy that only Jesus can bring. There's no other religious figure in the world that can bring that kind of joy because no other religious figure was God in the flesh who rose from the dead. And Jesus can bring that joy into your life that cannot be stolen away because it is not based on what's going on in the immediate. It's based on something that is eternal. Experience the joy that only Jesus can bring. And remember that God's joy gives you what I'll call and what the Bible calls in different terms, spiritual muscle. God's joy gives you spiritual muscle. And this is from a history book in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah was actually a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, circa 5th century B.C. And a cupbearer had an interesting job. He had to sample what was in that cup to make sure the king wouldn't be poisoned by somebody 
Anyway, uh, Nehemiah was a godly a Jewish cupbearer. Um, he is away from Jerusalem, away from his homeland. He is grieved. The temple has been destroyed. The city has been destroyed. Uh, it's 5th century BC. It's like around 444, I think it is. And he goes to King Artaxerxes and he wants Artaxerxes to give him permission to head to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls and start to rebuild the city. It's a wonderful book, the book of Nehemiah, because it has nothing miraculous in it. You won't find one miracle in the book of Nehemiah. And you will see that he is successful in spite of opposition to rebuild the walls, and he rebuilds them in an extremely short period of time. And it really institutes a revival in the city. And uh, he's accompanied by a scribe by the name of Ezra, who also wrote a book called Ezra. In fact, Ezra and Nehemiah were one book in the, in the time of the Old Testament. Today, we have them as two. But anyway, there's a section in the book of Nehemiah where Ezra the scribe, it gets up and he reads the law. So this is from what we would call uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So uh, he gets up to read from portions of the law. This is the first time the law has been read from publicly in years and years. And he gets up and he reads and, and it's explained for the people. Uh, I'm in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 5 to 11. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. And Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands. It's like a religious revival is happening. They're reading the Bible in public again. And the people lifted up their hands and responded, amen, amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And there are several people that are named and they're instructing the people who were standing there and they read and they make it clear for the people so that they can understand what was being read. And then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were all instructing the people said to them, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. What was going on? We're told all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Were they weeping with joy? Probably not. Maybe it was with sorrow. Maybe it was with uh, uh, this emotion that we haven't done this for so long. We should have done this before. Maybe there was deep repentance in the air. But it seems to have been a sorrowful kind of tear because Nehemiah says, do not mourn or weep. And Nehemiah says, verse 10, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing. In other words, be kind, be generous to people who have not uh, uh, prepared anything. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for watch this, the joy 
of the Lord is your strength. It's your spiritual muscle. When you experience God's joy, again, a joy that does not come from temporary circumstance, then it gives you spiritual muscle. It makes you stronger so that when you face circumstances that may try to threaten to remove your joy, your joy is still going to stay. The, the joy that God gives brings spiritual muscle. And the Levites calmed all the people. Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Do not mourn. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Mary and Elizabeth would have understood this. There's a joy that only Jesus can bring, and the joy that he brings gives you muscle in a spiritual sense. And finally, joy is also a decision that you make. It's a decision. So flipping over uh, to James now, this is the half-brother of Jesus, who actually, if you read the Gospels at the beginning, he wasn't very convinced about Jesus and who he was. Uh, but later, there seems to be a transformation in his life. He becomes a leader in the early church in Jerusalem and writes a book for us, the book of James. Well, watch what he says about joy. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Huh? Why should you consider it joy when you face difficulty, when you face trials? It doesn't say what kind of trials. It just says of many kinds. Of many kinds probably means of all variety, of all kinds of trials. I'm having a trial. I'm having a difficult moment because you know that the testing of your faith this is going to push you. Your difficulty is going to push you. Elizabeth, Zechariah, you, you, Elizabeth, you're barren. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Consider it pure joy. They would have probably done this over the years. When you face that trial, when you face that shame, you will learn the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. You read the book of Nehemiah, you see the difficulty and the opposition that Nehemiah had in trying to rebuild those walls, and yet he's, he's the one who says, and Ezra's the one who says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Consider it pure joy when you face those trials because those trials are going to grow your perseverance, your character, your faith. That's real life stuff. You can, you can make those trials into the thing that's going to kill you and make you bitter 
and make you turn your back against God, or you can take those trials and you can say, you know what? I'm going to consider it pure joy because even in this most difficult of trials, my faith is going to grow and my perseverance is going to grow. It's a process. You see this in the Psalms. Uh, you go to the, the right smack in the middle of your Bible, really, you're going to find the Psalms. Uh, I'm turning there now, and here is a psalm uh, that comes, uh, that shows this type of, uh, of process, okay? I think this might be from David, uh, but I'm not sure. I'm just flipping in my paper Bible so that you can track with me. Yes, it is of David, and this is Psalm 13. Watch the process. It's the same thing that James is talking about. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? You ever felt that way? I bet you Elizabeth and, and uh, uh, her husband Zechariah felt that way. How long will you forget me forever? No children, barren, priestly line, and still no children. How long will you hide your face from me? Have you ever felt that way? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Have you ever felt that way? And every day have sorrow in my heart. This is David writing this. Honest, real people with real experiences, real doubts, real anger, real questions. You ever had these questions? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Man, he's got a lot of problems. Look on me and answer, he says, oh, Lord, my God, answer me. You ever felt this way? You ever fought it out with God? You ever said, God, all these things, I don't understand why. How long is this going to go on? Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. I mean, this is, this is a heavy, heavy stuff he's talking about. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And David had a lot of enemies in his day. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. So God, what are you going to do? Verse 5, look at the process. But I trust in your unfailing love. Great is your faithfulness is what he's saying. My heart rejoices. There it is. In what? In the fact that all these things are going wrong for him? Nope. My heart rejoices in what? His temporary circumstance? Nope. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Same thing that Peter said. You have become born again. There's a transformation that has begun because God has come to live in your heart by his spirit. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. Great is your faithfulness fits in so well today joy is a decision look at how he wrestles through this stuff and yet he says i put all that aside i rejoice in your salvation it is good to be saved it is good to know that your sins are forgiven it is good to know that your guilt and your condemnation has been taken away by Jesus, God in the flesh. Uh, Paul says it this way, and we'll finish here uh, from the book of Philippians. 
chapter 4, very, very famous uh, uh, little passage of Scripture here. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Joy is a decision. Watch. Rejoice in what? Again, your circumstance? No. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's how you have it 365 days a year. You choose it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, just in case you forget. <laughs> Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. We talked about this last week, I think, this passage. But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which we talked about last week, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Experience the joy only Jesus can bring. God's joy gives you spiritual muscle, and joy is a decision. If there's musicians around, if you guys can come and, and play uh, I want to show you a picture on the screen that came in, uh, something that happened this week, and uh, you'll see it on your screen there. Boy, you know, I really feel like God is speaking to people on the other side of this camera today. I don't know what it is, but I think that there's, there's, there's a handful of people, and God's got your number today through this message. I can sense it in my heart today. Uh, this is a picture of a couple of, of senior men in our congregation, Wayne and James, and uh, hopefully they're watching uh, and if you are, you guys, you can w say hello on Facebook or whatever. Uh, but uh, this is um, uh, the Operation Christmas Child. You guys can go ahead and play uh, softly as I'm speaking here and get yourselves warmed up. And you can play with their levels on the soundboard there so everything sounds nice. Um, so these two guys uh, participated in Operation Christmas Child. We talked about that this year. We do it every year. It's harder this year. I don't know, some of you, maybe you filled the boxes and uh, online because there was an online option this year. These guys did it the old-fashioned way, went out, got their boxes, and filled them and brought them over to the place the, uh, where they had to go in Shattergate uh, to deliver the boxes. And I received an email with these pictures. Uh, I didn't know it was coming, and I received an email with these pictures of, of these two guys uh, from the director there who was receiving the boxes. And she wrote this to me, I didn't, not knowing that I was going to preach on joy or anything. And she said, these two precious men brought so much joy and laughter into our regional collection center when they dropped off their shoe boxes. And that's the way these two guys are. And it doesn't seem to really matter what's going on in their lives. They just have this kind of joy about them, especially when they're together. And it's kind of contagious. And this lady doesn't know them, I mean, from Adam. And yet she was able to detect this joy that's just kind of bubbling out of their lives. And they're very generous men. And they caught on to generosity at Christmas time and were a blessing to everybody who they ran into over at the collection center for Operation Christmas Child. That's the kind of practical stuff that you can have every day, 365 days a year. Let me pray for you and I'm going to turn it over to the band and they'll lead us 
and then uh, we'll end the stream for today. But I believe that God is speaking to people today, and I don't say that too often. And maybe you're starting to realize you need something else to keep you going. And, you know, your Christmas isn't canceled. Your joy isn't canceled in this bizarre year of 2020 because the babe was born in Bethlehem, my friend. And he went to that cross for you, and he rose from the dead to prove who he said he was. And he's going to come again one day. And uh, maybe you just need to shift your you need to shift your soul around those truths. Father, I pray for people who are watching, people who will watch, people who will listen. And I pray, God, oh, just that you would become so front and center in people's hearts and souls and and, uh, and ears today. And, um, and God, that somehow the joy that was felt by Elizabeth would somehow through the, uh, the ages, Lord, we would catch a glimpse of that joy again. And Lord, we would, uh, we would focus on the things that matter and the things that can't change. And Lord, uh, we would get ourselves right with you. And we would prioritize you and seek you first once again in our lives. And we're so thankful, God, that we can be saved today and that we can know that no matter what happens, Lord, we will be with you now in the present world, but even in the age to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt.
much for joining with us today and uh, watch for an announcement in your email or your phone and check us out online so you can register for December the 20th. Have a merry, merry weekend and almost Christmas. God bless you, everyone.